are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the UK. I'm Mike Sullivan, I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. My name is Michael Sullivan and I'm your host for today. Welcome to the latest instalment of the Evolution Exchange UK podcast. It's quarter past two here at Evolution HQ in my hometown of Birchwood in Warrington. Today I'm joined by a great panel to discuss full-time office versus hybrid versus fully remote. It's quite an interesting time to discuss this topic on the podcast with the recent visit to the Civil Servants Office from our Minister of Brexit and Government Efficiency, whatever that means. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be on such an extraordinary panel um, and I know it's a topic that's current at the moment and has been for the last, well, two years. Um, before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room and, do, and start with some introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and also what you're passionate about. And let's start with you, Bruce. Hi there, lovely to meet you, Michael. Thank you for having me on. Um, so my name is Bruce, Bruce Panaman, uh, and I'm one of the engineering managers at Arabesque. Um, the best way to think about Arabesque is it's Eco Moody's. Um, it's all about trying to find a way to score all the different companies in portfolios um, all around their ESG impact. Well, that's how much they pollute or what they do for society, whether they've got a diverse board, as well as many, many other factors that go into their supply chain, their investment documents, everything. So my job very much revolves around keeping the team going, keeping the team happy, um, agile coaching uh, the team all the way through so that we can keep everyone happy. Engineers love tinkering, making sure they can do the right amount of tinkering up against the right amount of product work as well to make sure that we get some stuff out to the market and to our clients. Um, outside of work, I mean, I'm really into cycling at the moment. The weather's getting better. It was a beautiful weekend last weekend and uh, did a couple of laps around Richmond Park and got a PB as well, which is fantastic. Nice one, Bruce. Congrats on your PB. <laughs> and over to you, Simon. Hello, Mike. Thanks for having me on as well. Um, I'm Cy Jobling. I'm an engineering manager at a small fashion company called ASOS. Um, if you've not heard of us, we do online fashion. Um, uh, I've been in ASOS since 2013 and in different roles as engineer and managers. Um, but now my role is more focused on personal development, recruitment and retention and building that community of place where people can grow generally. Um, outside of work, uh, I'm a father of two, so that takes up a lot of my time. But I do love a lot of um, dance music, house music. I like podcasting. So um, it's going to be weird being on the other side of the mic this time. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just, just interested in how people make the most of like podcasting and growing in tech you know there's lots of opportunities to grow pleasure to have you on simon and hopefully i can learn a few things from you as well <laughs> and finally not last but not least over to you alu yeah um thanks a lot for having me as well um M M michael um so my name is olu um, i'm the cto at, um, at a small startup called business Hall. we're actually small not like a startup <laughs> You know, so um, a small small startup called um, Business Core, and and basically we build tools to make funding fair, fast, and simple. Um, I guess you could think of us as the plot of lending, right? So we build, um, we have our APIs, widgets, which we embed into partner platforms, and then provide lending to businesses on those partner platforms. Um, we've been running for two years now, and we have 
um, you know, partners in um, dig digital banks and platforms and multiple other businesses that um, have a critical mass of business businesses on their platforms. Um, in terms of me personally, um, what I like to do outside of work, um, I'm, I'm a father of two as well, like Simon, um, twins. So, you know, that comes with a lot of, uh, um, you know, re really lovely moments, but some challenging ones as well. Um, I also li like to do um, um, boxing as well, which is which was really good, which um, gets me away from my computer and allows me to, you know, get some of that you know, that day-to-day -day anxiety that we feel in work, um, our place on a, you know, in a, in a very he um, he healthy manner. So yeah, that's me. Nice to meet you all. And although uh, uh, I take my heart off to you with having twins, because I've got two at the moment at three and one, and I'm only just getting some sleep back, so fair play, mate. Um, so yeah, now we've, we've sort of introduced each other. We've got a number of questions and subtopics to cover. So work around the room, ask each of you to pose your question, um, the reasons behind it, and, and each and each of you will have um, time to give your take on the situation. So we will start with your question, Bruce, um, and then feel free to kick things off. Yeah, so my question is, how can you measure and therefore compare productivity and morale between colleagues that are working from home or who are working from the office? Thanks, Bruce. And shall you start things, Simon? I can indeed. Um, it's quite a, a, a massive question to ask, actually. I've, I was trying to work out how to address this when you threw it out there. Um, I think one of the obvious ones you can measure from a productivity perspective is like the classic delivery metrics. So, you know, stuff like throughput, how many stories are you delivering on a sprint basis or through a monthly cycle? How long do those items take? Uh, and how, how many each individual is doing in that sense? But the problem I've got with that is a lot of our teams pair. So it's not an, a, an obvious, oh, well, that engineer delivered five items, that deliver, item, engineer delivered three items. So that one's obviously stronger, not necessarily, because there's complexity to the stories, there's pairing, there's mobbing, and all the other complexities delivering stuff. Um, so when you kind of transpose that with um, insight, on-site office time and remote time, I've noticed that people are a lot more productive at, at home than they are in the office, especially after lockdown. But is it good quality delivery? And are they doing good collaboration? And that's the bit where I'm trying to work out, is it a good delivery overall? Um, what we have started to do now, people are going back to the office after lockdown. Uh, we're not in a lot at the moment. We're still working through the right balance. It's currently a couple of times a month, like during the end year end of sprint cycles. And those times are where we kind of go, well, have the workshopping sessions, do your retros, do some mobbing or some stuff that you wouldn't necessarily do from Teams or Zoom at home. And that's the stuff I'm just trying to get to measure now. So you mentioned like morale, and that's something that I'm really trying to get into the deep depths of right now. Something we, we are trying to use are like uh, regular surveys. We have like a global survey for the whole organization. We have tech-specific surveys, but then people get survey overload. So, okay, how do we measure that on a more regular, less impact approach? I'm looking at doing like a, like a post-teams call hook, maybe. You know, once you finish the session, how was that session? The five-star ratings to see if that helped. But yeah, it's really tricky one to get right. And I'm, I am noticing on-site is not productive. Remote is more productive, but the quality of that productivity is different. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks for that one, Sai. And over to you, Alo. 
Yeah, um, um, th thanks a lot for that question, Bruce. That's a really ex excellent question. Um, to be honest, I, I guess, what, you know, I guess if, if we could take it a step back, you know, um, you know, is, is there any reason to to kind of compare um, the productivity between the, you know, the people that come into the office versus the people that don't actually come into, into the office, you know, because it, it it's something that it's this, you know, overall, you know, simmering tension that, that tends to happen in a lot of organizations, right? And then once we start to, you know, actually compare compare those two, you know, you, you kind of go into this, into this slightly, I mean, I don't want to say dangerous, but in, into this path where the, 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 the commuters start to feel, you know, that they are producing a lot more work and versus the people that come in remote, right? So, you know, um, I, I personally think that the productivity and morale is is down to the to the to the to the individuals, right? Because you know, personally, some individuals might prefer to work um, remotely a hundred percent. They achieve um, a lot more productivity and a lot more morale. I mean, their the morale is totally boosted because of their personality types, right? You know, they might be um, a bit more um, introverted. They don't want to consider coming to the office and being an open plan office and whatnot. You know, in a much more um, in a much more restricted office at home, you know, they can actually achieve um, a, a lot better productivity, right? So, um, I think what 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 yeah, you know, so that's something that we've we've personally noticed that you know we we um, business call we we're totally remote at business call, right? And um, we we ha we have engineers in different continents actually. You know, we've got Mexico, you know, um, you know, in 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 the in the Americas, in Africa, and in in Europe as well. And I think the, the 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 critical thing that we've done is you know just create an open and safe environment where you know which where each and every individual can actually choose um, um, you know the path that that works for them, and that that's been really successful for us, right? So, I mean, you know, I think again, I think it's it, it's it's down to the individual. You can't necessarily measure you know um, the 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 home the home versus versus the you know working from home versus remote um versus going into the office because some individuals are just a lot more productive working from home versus you know going in so i guess that's my answer to that question perfect thanks guys uh, i suppose back to you bruce how can you measure and therefore compare productivity between colleagues from home and, and working from the office so i guess there's some really interesting points there um I think in my head how this works is you've got different different parts of people's work um, that are productive in different ways. So, you know, when you're sitting down getting on with some code, yeah, there's less distractions. You can have the music on that you like. You've got your snacks. You've got the right coffee machine. You're all there. But the one thing that really stands out to me is meetings and meeting culture. Um, you know, you hear all the stuff around the fan companies and what they do. So you have, you know, Jeff Bezos says a team is too big if two pizzas can't feed them. You have the Google meeting culture where if, if somebody doesn't say anything during the meeting, they shouldn't have been there. Um, you've got other meeting cultures around providing a brief before anyone turns up and everyone spends the first five, 10 minutes reading it. And I think when you're remote and that is your only contact together, it molds, it kind of molds a whole lot of different things into one so that you'll meet meetings become in general a bit less productive so as you're going into the room and you're setting up and opening your laptops you get that sort of how are you doing you're right how was last night did you see the match last night all that stuff happens at that point whereas there's no real place for that to happen in a zoom call in quite the same way so I feel in terms of the productivity this is where you lose it where you're not focused just on the task you've got to mold all those social things in too 
Um, in terms of happiness, you know, staff retention is aim of the game. I mean, throughout lockdown and with the market the way it is now, there's going to be recruiters sending, you know, three or four or five messages a day to your top engineers with offers that are fantastic. Um, and a real sign of morale to me is the fact that they look at those offers, they look at the, you know, all of it translates their mind to, oh, that's a new car next year. But when it comes down to it, they like their job, they like the people they work with, and they, you know, put their time, their effort, and more importantly, their passion into their work uh, at their current role. And I think that is, you know, it's not as easy to measure as everything else. But if you look at the top level figures, it, uh, it's definitely a sign of morale, I think. I just want to extend on that, actually, because you, you did mention, like, reading um, happiness in the role and what, what reasons to leave. And I've had a few people recently, like in the last year say to me, well, to be honest, I don't need, the, the, the cash team with Bitcoin, for example, they don't necessarily need to work anymore, but they love the job. So uh, we're really lucky to have someone that really wants to be there and do that job. And I've had other people say, oh, I, could, I know I can get 15K out in fintech rather than I could get, you know, in every other industry. I'm like, well, why don't you go then? And like, Because I love the work I'm doing here. Like, Great. That's what I like to hear. Are you enjoying it? Are you bored by it yet? No. Great. But let me know if you are, because having that close relationship with your direct reports, where they can be honest with you, is another great way to measure that. But it's not necessarily numerical or qualitative, um, quantitative sorry, data. It's more qualitative. I see it quite a lot at demo time, especially. So when you do demos and somebody's like, look at this, what I made. It's so shiny. Isn't it great? Isn't it fantastic? Um, they go down the pub at the end of the day on Friday and all they can talk about is this thing that they've shipped and they're so proud of it. Um, yeah, that is the kind of happiness within your job, which I guess is engineering management you need to foster and make sure that everyone experiences at their work. Nice one, guys. Sounds, uh, sounds insi insightful and apologies for them pesky permanent recruiters trying to trying to knit your staff. Good job, I'm on the contract side. So, yeah. I think that should have been one, that should have been one, 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 um, one of the questions that, that we posed, you know, how, um, how can we stop recruiters from pitching <laughs> up talent? <laughs> Oh, well, I'll have to close down LinkedIn, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> that. So um, just moving swiftly on over to your question, Simon. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's kind of related to what we just talked about, to be honest. One of my questions, how do you nurture morale and well-being in your environment? And having only seen the real true energy of gel teams in located offices, I'm struggling to replicate that remotely. Um, and I don't know if it's through lockdown or COVID or for other reasons, but I'm just curious how you folks have you know addressed this or observed it probably straight to one yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um I, I mean I'll, I'll jump in then um i mean it, again this is this is really really difficult and you know as, as i said before you know our, our engineering team was was split over over um multiple continent um continents right um i think for us the the the, the key the, the key way we solved it was you know was was communication and to be honest, it wasn't just split over multiple um, continents as well. There was also um, a mix of part-time, full-time, and, and agency staff as well. And a lot of the feedback that I received from the agency staff was, you know, they've not felt like like this, you know, what, what, what the, the, the kind of team culture that we managed to create was was one that they've never felt in any company that they've worked for, you know, because they just come in as an agency and they just feel like appended to the larger business and they don't feel part, part um, you know, part, um, um, part and parcel of the of the wider team. So, you know, 
um, the way we achieved that was just by, you know, communicate, communicating, communicating, communicating. Um, you know, we, we did our, our, our regular, you know, daily stand-ups and, and whatnot, you know, and that, that also bred, you know, that fostered that, that team, that team, you know, um, morale and well-being. And also one, one of the things that we, I also did was, um, <clears throat> was have um, a lot of um, catch-ups with the, with the in individual um, um, engineers. So kind of, what 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 you, what you touched on, Simon? Where you know you have that um, communication, we 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 um, direct um, reports, right? So that was something that really helped as well. You know, just just being just always always being there, um, you know, and always communicating with with them was something that that helped. Another thing that we did was we we also um, um, you know also introduced. Um, um, you know that engineers that lived close to each other could could meet up and 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 and, and they could go they could go um, um you know co-work for 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 a day and if they you know spent any money at lunch you know then we'll cover that way they could extend expense that to us so that was another way of, of fostering you know um you know that that like you know moral and communication with, 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 with between different different parts of a totally you know you know really um D disparate team across you know multiple geographies just ensuring that you know engineers that are close together they they do meet up regularly and they you know they 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 communicate so um you know that's something that has helped us and yeah the feedback from all the engineers has been really positive you know that they really enjoy working with us so yeah um, yeah, I mean, on my side, the word that really stands out to me in your question and the one that I really like, the fact that you've brought up is well-being. Um, obviously, you know, the rise in remote work has been as a response to the pandemic and it's been a huge, it's massively difficult time for everyone across the planet. Um, but one of the advantages of moving towards this is work-life balance has been completely turned on its head. And I think well-being is massively affected by this. So, you know, there's lots of people who before had to slog themselves onto the northern line, cram themselves onto a corner of the carriage, um, and now they don't have to. Um, and then there were loads of other people who were doing this, you know, like you guys know, who had to do with children as well and make sure they're at school and make sure they're doing dropping kids off at nursery. Um, and this was a lot of extra stuff on top that they would have to do in their lives on top of what was expected just with their work. So the work-life balance that remote work can give people can take a weight off um, their personal situation. It's obviously childcare is one thing and school runs are another thing, but there's people who are also carers. There are people with complex personal and medical needs. And I think the flexibility of having remote work means that they, you know, once you give them the flexibility and space to find that work-life balance, they come back with the full passion and the full volume of what they can achieve. Um, you know, with all the bank holidays that we're having at the moment, the long Easter weekend, you know, if you have a little bit of time off and have some space, all those things you were struggling with, all those things that you were didn't really have an answer to, get a break, get the other things sorted. And then all these answers seem to come out from nowhere, just with a pair of fresh eyes looking at it. So I think the morale and well-being can come from the flexibility, the work-life balance being measured. And also the fact that when people have the space to deal with other aspects of their lives and other pressures in their lives, they are ready to bring 100% and bring that morale and bring that energy. It's a fair point on the flexibility point as well, because I think having the facts that we don't need to be in the office. I was traveling for two hours every way to get into the office before lockdown, and that was just not really sustainable. 
And then instantly I was like, wow, I've got time with my kids. I can have dinner with them after school. This is wonderful. And everyone saw the mood lift in like people in the way I was working because I was so much more relaxed being very available to my kids. Yeah. I, I mean, um, you know, so um, I mean, um, um, Bruce, have you found that, that you know, if, if you're working in, in a, in a, in a in, um, from home, right, in a, in a remote, remote environment, like, it, it's actually difficult to like switch off between, you know, because obviously in the past, you know, if, if, if you were, if you're, um, if you went to the office, then coming back home, it, it's, it's kind of easy to switch off between, you know, the, 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 the work, the work and, 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 and then home. Um, but now, personally, I'm, I'm finding it a bit difficult in that, you know, I'm always kind of working. I'm, 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 I would say I'm, I'm working too much. And, you know, wh whereas in the past it was like, you know, you are, th th there was that really, there was that clear, there was that clear divide. So, you know, I, um, I, I, um, um, so um, how are you guys m m um, creating that clear or managing that divide? Um, I think for me, there's a point of, uh, negative return at some point you know my most productive time is in the evening because there's nobody messaging me on slack there's nobody putting stuff in my diary or emails coming through I can just get on with things however there gets to a point where I'm too tired to do more and anything I add at that point I'm gonna have to fix the next day anyway so there's always a line where you go cool if I'm making these sorts of mistakes if I haven't got all the answers immediately top of my head when you're trying to code through something that's when um, I kind of turn off but also you know block stuff into your calendar sometimes you know you, you've had a busy week you stick a two-hour busy uh on a on like a thursday afternoon and then go for a swim and then guaranteed everything you do after that will be that much more effective and probably save you a two hours of getting things wrong anyway yeah i'm similar to you actually bruce because like you say you can leak your time into early mornings late in the evenings my wife as a teacher, she's still not turning off at weekends because she's getting emails on her phone. I'm telling her to put it down. I'm pretty disciplined now that I'll say, right, 5.30 is my cutoff for working at night. I can go out of that room, I can shut the door, and I can literally focus back at home time. But it took a while to get into that discipline. And like Bruce's suggestion with focus time, whatever you want to call it, banging that in your calendar so you're not getting distracted has been a huge help for me as well because otherwise I get nothing done. Back-to-back one-to-ones, back-to-back team meetings, before the end of the day, I've done 15 teams calls and not done any work. So it's just, you know, how do I find that balance? Whereas in the office, three meetings and I'm exhausted because I've not even thought about changing between rooms and all the water cooler moments. It's just a completely different way of working. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, oh, yeah. I mean so I mean, one one thing that we haven't really spoken really about in this question is the gelled teams. Um, mm. You know, well-gelled teams are people that can think through other people's problems and understand what they would do. They understand each other's coding style. Um, they also, you know, for all the people in their team can mention personal things. And when was the last time so-and-so went on holiday? Uh, what is so-and-so's partner's name? Those personal connections. Um, in a virtual sense, I think it's a really good question how to do that virtually. And if you force it too much, it, um, it, it doesn't really work. Um, but I think on that side, what I found is when you do organize rare office events, the people that do come are fully, fully ready. They're in a great mood. They're almost more up for it than sort of pre-COVID days when you'd have a lazy afternoon where everyone's sort of it's getting towards the end of a sprint. Everyone's finished and you're just having a couple of beers and the beanbags of an afternoon. Um, that seems to be replaced by very much sort of organized days in the office, organized evenings and organized events where people gel in a lot more concentrated sense. 
is that something you guys have experienced as well or is that something that you guys have done differently a bit of gelling in, in the in the team and then w- once we did meet up at a at a bigger event where, where we invited everyone well I guess we never managed to invite everyone because everyone has been in multiple continents. But whenever we did do um, um, anything where it was, um, everyone was cool, like, cool, cool, you know, in, in the same place, then, you know, we, we found that that, that was um, a, a lot better. You know, we, that, that jelly was there. And yeah, so that's my answer. <laughs> Simon, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I mean, as I brought the question up, I, I, as I saw in, when we were all based in an office, you saw a lot more collaboration, you know, watercolour moments and actual helping each other out. And when we were at remote, everyone was working in isolation on their own little stories. And you thought, well, that's not what I see a well-gelled team as, as well, how I define it anyway. So one thing I, I've tried to really encourage is a lot more pairing and mobbing. You know, find a, a complex piece of work, pick it up with someone and don't just worry about the work part use that time together just to have a chat and have a laugh and you know to get that distracted amazon delivery and go oh what you got and have a chat about it and just use that opportunity to just learn about each other a bit more so what we've tried to do which has not been easy but creating opportunities for more collaboration and social time you know we'll have lightning talks every two weeks um we'll do like cross team demos every couple of weeks as well um we were like back in lockdown days it was like virtual events let's do some wine tasting online it's not quite as sociable as it could be but at least we weren't talking work for once and going yeah it's a bit bitter let's move on to the next one it was just proper silly mode um but another element for me as a well-gelled team is just they know each other's nuances you mentioned like you know their their personal circumstances their family needs and we are again i just sort of encourage people to get to know each other and even before stand up in the morning don't talk work just have 10 minutes and get to know each other. And some teams are really good at this. Some need a reminder because they're like, nope, got to get shit done. I'm like, wait, 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 slow down. Let's just have a bit of a breather, a bit of an icebreaker or something just to get to know each other. Talk about the news or something that was a bit more comical rather than negative as well. Nice one, gents. Yeah, highly detailed answers there. And I'm, I'm sure you'd be happy with them answers, Simon. Have you got anything further to add on that subject, Simon? No, I mean, I think we've covered most of the areas, but um, something I was, I've been trying to do to build relationships in teams recently is the idea of a thing called Speedback. Uh, it's like speed networking, but for feedback. So when we have like our semi-annual reviews, they've got some tangible takeaways from their teammates to talk about, you know, what they're doing well, where they can improve. What they, that really does is make sure they're focused and getting to know each other and having that safe space to know each other. And it's, I've got to be honest, it's tricky and they were very nervous about it at first like Ooh, i've got 10 minutes to tell someone they're really bad at something like, well you don't need to work it that way use the language to make it an easy thing to process but i have found every team that have done this have really enjoyed that close time and now they're getting to know each other a bit more and they feel, feel safer to have honest relationships and conversations mm-hmm. something I, like i said i want to i've blogged about it and i want, I want to follow up again on it because it's, it's something that's evolving over time but and over to you, Alu. I believe you've got a question. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes, I do. Um, you know. So, um, 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 how um, how w- w- would you scale um, a high-performing, um, 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 agile-driven engineering culture? Um, you know, obviously, the en- engineering is is used to delivering a pace. You know. Um, um, how, how, um, but then, whenever engineering 
the engineering team um, is dependent on other parts of the business. They may not be used. They may not be used to working at that pace. You know. So how um um so um um so how would you scale the the high performing agile driven engineering culture to different parts of the organization? You know, to ensure that the entire organization is is delivering as as best as it could really. Um, so I guess for me personally, I, I have faced faced this 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 issue. Um, and to be honest, I'll, I'll like to hear what, you know, obviously um, Bruce and Paul, um, Simon have, have to say about this. I mean, for me, a lot of this is kind of you use the Agile manifesto, you use the framework and it does do a lot of it. Some bits don't really work in other departments. So getting a finance team to use Scrum, for example, just won't really work because it's some things take a long time, some things don't. Things come up very ad hoc and it's very hard to sort of set a sprint plan, a sprint goal. Um, things that are very research based as well are quite difficult. So my my background um, before being an engineering manager is very much data science, which is very much more researchy than the you know back end development of the team that I do now. So what it means is something which may take you a day, may also take you two weeks because you don't really know the outcome until you start. Um, however, if you take those wider sprint ceremonies out, you know, things like retrospective, in my opinion, it's by far the most important one um, to highlight things which are slowing people down, highlight blockers, get people to agree the priority of them, that sort of thing. That is doable across every single department, um, whether it's finance department, whether it's HR, whether it's a marketing department, you know, people working together in the processes they use always have holes and always can be made more efficient. And that one especially would help out. And then just refinement as well. You know, when there's a task that's given, whether it's a we need to do the quarterly reports or whether it's something along the lines of we need to put this TV ad campaign together, really refining what you're trying to achieve, what the definition of done is and what the definition of success is too, um, is really, really useful to bring that culture forward, even if you don't go full pelt and do the sprint side. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had mixed results with this in the past, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> some some departments are brilliant because they kind of observe what's, what the value of agile delivery could look like. You know, I've, I've worked with people in like HR and they're like, oh, tech, you get things done. I'm like, yeah, because we think in that sort of MVP mindset, we think in iterations and stuff like that. So that just giving them a chance to observe the benefits of what we do with agile culture and engineering, they want to find out more. And it's not for, like I say, finance is probably less susceptible to these sort of changes. But even still, when you look at some of the solutions they put in place, you're like, well, actually, why have you used this solution? Dynamics is a really good example, right? No one knows how to use Dynamics or do it properly. But what problem are you trying to solve? And then we can sort of strip it back and be a bit more sort of story, break it down. Let's have a bit of a kickoff and a refinement. Let's do some proper discovery modes. Use Sprint Zeros to understand if it's the right thing to do. And they go, what's a Sprint? Oh, okay. Well, uh, it's sort you through that. And it, uh, that's the way I've tried to find it, is just demonstrate what works well for us from an engineering perspective to all these other departments and then sort of go, well, don't worry about sprint cycles. It's probably less relevant to you. Maybe look at Kanban and Kazen because that's probably more useful to what you're trying to do. You're taking on too much focus and doing thinking about it that way. Um, and we have recently kind of built, spun up, um, I think it's a, not an agile, but a lean thinking department. And that's going to be across the whole of like the organisation where they can sort of encourage you know, lean thinking rather than it being a, an engineering only thing or a technical thing. It's for the whole organization to think about. And that should hopefully 
um, limit our priorities, which are like any scale business, you've got all the priorities and not actual priorities. Perfect. Thanks, guys. And, and back to you, Olu. How do you scale your high performance agile engineering culture across other departments? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, I, I've not been, been able to solve this, um, you know, but a, a lot of the points that Bruce and, and Simon raised are, are, are really, really valid. And, you know, I think that, you know, just having a really clear, a really clear definition of done um, across across board is, is one to really, you know, take home and, you know, and obviously get, get in the Kanban. I guess w one of the things that has, one of the approaches that has worked for, for me in the past is ensuring that the business is actually, is actually a, 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 a few, a, a few, a, a few sprints uh, um, ahead of the, of, of, of the engineering team in terms of requirements and in terms of backlog, right? You know, so the business, they don't need to know in, in essence that we are, you know, that we've got sprint cycles. They don't need to know the entire um, agile, the entire um, agile, agile manifesto, but just understanding that, okay, you know, there's a bunch of work the engineering team are, are, are carrying out. And if we have um, a clear definition of, 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 you know, of the requirements upfront, you know, we can deliver this work better. Um, and also, and also Simon, jump in. No, you, you uh, raise a good you, point there, actually, because when, uh, when I took my year out from Azos, I was working in Alibaba, and they, they didn't quite understand the detail needs to go up front before you started building stuff. So I actually spent mm -hmm. months mapping out the full SDLC, and it was crazy to see that over half of that investigation time before it even took into an engineer's point to actually start refining this. But educating the whole business about that process was mind-blowing. They were like, wow no one's ever bothered to map this out before. Now we see why things take so long. Let's invest more time up front to make sure we have got the investment, the finance, the legals, and everyone else involved before the engineers go, this isn't possible. <laughs> because that's what the problem normally used to be. I mean, I think I've experienced a little bit of the opposite at Arabesque. I mean, we've got a team of really, really talented engineers, as well as a team of really talented researchers who have PhDs and, you know, whole ethoses on what sustainability means and how to measure it. So bringing those two worlds together is very, very difficult um, in so to make sure that it ends up with something that's commercially viable as a product that our clients will want. So when we come through and we create and plan and root it all out, it needs the voices from all the teams to really make it a success. If it's something where sales has got some feedback from someone that they want something and then we build it anyway, it means that it won't be built in quite the right way that scales. If we have the research team wanting something but doesn't have a scaled model from sales, then it means we're building someone wants. And if we start with tech, it probably means it's never going to see the light of day um, because it's not related to the product, but it looks really good and it works really, really nicely and it helps everyone move faster. And those internal tools are really really needed so really working out what projects uh need to deliver and what their success criteria is important and everyone needs to agree that at the beginning um if you plan too far in advance you can get into this space where it all looks good on paper but when you actually take it from theory to actually building it you're right the engineers will say actually this is way too difficult can we pare this down this is going to take longer um and it becomes really really difficult so i think everyone needs to be part of that conversation at the beginning to make sure that it all works. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think you, you touched on something really, really, really key there, um, um, Bruce. You know, I think um, it, it's also critical to have um, sponsors for, for, for you know, for and, and any features or any projects that engineering is actually building, right? You know, because 
a lot of times we we can you know we, we can deliver bits of functionality that just end up in the in the you know on, on, on the product without without necessarily seeing seeing um, as much usage usage as it should right so having um, key 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 sponsors for any for any bits of work that engineering does do and actually does deliver ensures that you know that 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 it, it's it's a it, uh, you know that 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 feature is is, a, is a, the top of mind for for the business and you know it gets the the business attention um as much as it should really so um i think i think that's also something to consider as well i mean with it being remote as well it means that people might not always be there or people have to be drifted in and out of things so documentation of what the action points are what the key discussion points are um, i think that makes it much better to do this remotely because as i said people will be super flexible around their lifestyle and around where when and where they're working um i think doing it remotely enforces you to do it even better i guess because of this extra requirement to document yeah, totally. Sure yeah. The async model that engineers are really quite good at working in, but a lot of other departments aren't. They can see, start to see the the benefits of going. Let's just have a chat thread, spin up a Slack channel to just talk this one out, rather than worrying about everyone getting in a meeting. Oh, we can't do it for three weeks because no one's got the availability. Get the conversation started then, and we'll just respond in threads and see what happens from that first. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sounds good. Last one, gents. Does anyone have any final points or anything further you wish to discuss? Any other questions? No. Nothing. Awkward oh, right. yeah. <laughs> silence. Fair enough. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. The key things and topics we discussed today: how how can you measure and therefore compare productivity from working from home or from the office? Um, how do you nurture morale and well-being in your environment? And how do you scale a high-performance engineering culture across teams? This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I'd like to take the opportunity to thank Bruce, Simon and Alu for providing their insights into the topic. And thank you very much for listening. If you would like to be on a future podcast, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at michael.sullivan at evolution-contracts.co.uk.